When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're here today with Coach Mark Speckman, who is the assistant head coach and running backs coach at UC Davis. And most of you know Coach Speckman for what he's done with the fly offense. So we're going to talk today a little bit about communication on game day, uh, adjustments at halftime, and also everything that goes into it as far as watching film. And Coach will finish up with an idea he has uh, that they they do in practice with perimeter blocking. So, Coach, let's let's first talk about the importance of in-game communication. A lot of guys, you know, go the entire week. They put a great game plan together. But a lot of success of that happening correctly on game day is being able to communicate those things very concisely and in a meaningful way. So uh, what's the process you guys use, use to uh, have, be effective on game day with communication? You know, I think that's a very important uh, game that, you know, I had to learn the hard way standing there on the sideline trying to figure it out and on the on the spot where we hadn't done a whole lot of pre-thought and i think there's two components to it one is just your you know your life experience if you know have you seen this before and a lot of times coaches that are experiencing can go back to another game plan they had four years ago against something similar but usually what you want is you know we go in with a plan a this is what we see on film this is what we expect and this is what we practice and then whether the play caller whether i'm in the box or whether i'm on the field the guy in the box has got the better view and he's got the he's got the, the plan a and if anything changes uh and 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 usually they're not small changes they're they're macro changes they're big changes with with a three-man line to a four-man line or the way the the, the safeties are forcing the run or perhaps the corners have never forced the run all season but all of a sudden they're forcing the run we have a plan for that we over this week you know we have a plan b going in and so for inside run if we see certain things we have you know for example um, you know they load the box and they hadn't been loading the box against certain formations then we you know we, we want to have a plan b and the plan b has to kind of it's not just X's and O's in a sense. It also has to really take into account your personnel. A lot of things work if you have a great quarterback that can throw, but a lot of times I've had a guy that couldn't throw in, in high school or, you know, maybe you don't, you can't beat their defensive backs as your receivers aren't as talented. So, so plan B, I think you just have to have some forethought about it. And, you know, where, you know, if they try to take away your best player, what's your plan? Or if they do this and you can go down a rabbit hole with that, we really try to keep it pretty generic, but make sure that because we talk about it, there's good the communication from the from the press box to the sideline really has to be concise. And and and, and so if, if they're doing what we think, we just keep saying Plan A, and uh, and that that declutters the verbiage on the on the headset, and and the play caller can go. We see a change in Plan B you know, instead of having to figure it out there. Hopefully, we've had a little bit of pre thought. We can we can kind of change seamlessly 
But um, I think that's been something that's been really we, we really tried to emphasize over the years. Well, Coach, obviously that allows you to make some very effective adjustments at halftime as well. Talk to us a little bit about that process at halftime where, you know, if 20 minutes seems like a lot of time, but there's so much work to do to communicate with your players, communicate with coaches, and actually come up with those adjustments. So what's the process at halftime? I think the process needs to be pretty well thought out in the sense that as soon as we, you know, can all gather as coaches, I mean, players, we give them the first, you know, five to seven minutes to use the restroom and get some food and water, whatever we got for them, and get off their feet and, and relax. And, and we meet as offensive staff and defensive staff as coaches. And and so, you know, the first thing we usually go over is, hey, is plan A, you know, is that what they're doing? And if we're usually ahead, if they're, they're starting to adjust. And so we kind of start to find out what is it that they're trying to do. And then we look at our play sheets and, what you know, what – it's amazing how many times you've had some success with the play and you didn't go back to it. Or um, you had, you ran a play you really thought was going to be good. Somebody screwed it up, but it's still a good play. And so we really try to get a list of plays that we think we should come out, at, uh, uh, not with so much a script, but kind of, hey, we we got to make sure that we hit these plays here coming out the first, the first drive of the second half. And then once that's been been uh, done, we kind of go in and talk to our individual groups, get some information from them, give them a little bit of information, and then usually the group comes together and we go over those plays that we're going to start the half with, and then we're out on the on the field again. So it is it is a fast, quick time. You really can't do a whole heck of a lot, but you can draw up a few things. You can make a um, a list. You can kind of as coaches kind of get back on track on what what should be working. The last thing I want to hear is, you know, Hey, Bobby missed a block and then Bobby always misses a block. And you know, I don't want a lot of, um, that's not going to help us win the game. I want to know, Hey, you know, we ran this play for seven yards. We never went back to it. We thought this was going to be a good play. We got stuffed, but I still think it's a good play because, you know, we can, you know, make this change or we, you know, the kid just missed a block or whatever. And so I think that, you know, Having a, having a, a, an overall plan at halftime is important, and um, and that's really the time as coaches where you can see you see each other face to face with him, and you know you got your papers in front of you, and, and hopefully you make some good decisions. Coach, obviously the success on game day starts a week before when you have to sit down and, and, and you know watch the film. Talk to us about the way you guys watch film and how obviously that leads to. Um, some detailed preparation for you. You know, over the years, I've done this a lot of different ways. And with technology, you can really split things up pretty finite or pretty fine area. And so I'm not a huge fan of everybody going to their room and coming up with a particular game plan. Uh, For example, red zone. Hey, Bob, you do red zone. And, you know, Keith, you do third and long. And because I think you just get it's, it's to me that always ends up being a little choppy. You know, mm-hmm. to me, you know, everybody's got their own ideas and styles and biases, and and so to me, I like to do I like for the, everybody to kind of separate and watch the game film cut ups on their own, get the cut ups that they want. I might put the coaches in, in charge of cut ups, or um, you know, say I get you, I want information about their blitzes, I want information about their pass rush, I want information about their coverages, and then come back and give us a report.
um, have a little bit of input on our red zone and our third and long and our you know openers, et cetera. But uh, you know the coordinator obviously has to have the last say and needs to organize that. I think the way you break up your cutups is really important. You know, one of the things we do with the fly stuff is is you know we query every any kind of motion we can get a team, uh, uh, our opponent's defense as we watch teams. I mean, a lot of teams never go in motion. But adjustments to motion are, are critical for us. And so that's one of the queries we have and one of the breakdowns we have on, you know, how people uh, react to motion in different formations. And so whatever it is that your offense really emphasizes, I think you need to make sure you have a really good way of, um, of finding them. You know, for example, you know, drop back pass teams, you know, having blitz problems. I mean, most blitzes, you don't need to see every blitz. You can pick up most of them if you have good technique, but some are really tough. And so those are the ones we want to spend some time on and make sure that our players see. And um, so I just think that, you know, again, having a plan going into what we're looking for and then what, how are we going to present that information to the coaching staff so that we can come up with the game plan. I think that's important. I also think it's important you put some kind of a time limit on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, Hey, we're going to come in at five o'clock, you know, you get, got, you know, you get four hours to watch this stuff and get your cut-ups made and, and et cetera. I think that's really important also. Also, and, you know, and one last thing, the more pre-work you can get done, for example, somebody putting in the information, you know, obviously at the Division One level, you have more people that can put, you know, down distance formation, all that information in so that when you're ready to go, it's all there. A lot of smaller staff, you, you know, when the one game's over, you got to start doing all that for the other opponent. But any, any, you know, you know, get as much volunteer help as possible. Get much of that stuff in uh, before the weekend, so that you can really study it, as opposed to just doing the tedious entry work. It's really important. Yeah, I agree with you there. And you know, remembering back to the today's as a high school coach, where you met a coach at the corner mm-hmm. somewhere and exchanged a stack of video uh, tapes, of VHS tapes. You know, Saturday was just grueling because you'd have to go through every single one of those and um, for the most part do it on excel or paper but today you know we're we're exchanged usually early you have those games Uh, some of that work can be done and maybe it's not by the play caller i know as a play caller i never wanted to uh to start looking at another opponent but i would have my assistants be responsible for a few columns in huddle and filling those things in so i think there's a lot of effective ways to do it in fact we had a a coach on the show, uh, Coach uh, Zito um, in Louisiana, who actually created a class where he has his students filling in much of that work and putting together and essentially being an analytics team for him. So even though there's a small staff, there's a lot of different ways to do that today. And I agree with you. If you could get a jump on that and have a lot of that prepared for Saturday, Saturdays are going to be so much smoother. And and I also agree with you, Coach, there has to be a time limit. I mean, we can watch film through all hours of the night, but essentially what it boils down to is it doesn't matter how well we know them, it's we have to translate to, to how much our players know them. So what are some of the things you do to make sure that that stuff you do and you guys watch film, you're effective putting together your game plan, that it's it's transitioned to the players in the right way? I think you just really need to be, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I actually have a, as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, well, I kind of have a template. Uh, you know, I mean, we have a, a game plan sheet that we present to the players uh, on either, you know, Sunday, Monday, whenever, Tuesday, whenever you meet your guys for their, you know, your opponent. And, you know, it has a, an overall sheet. You know, here's, here's, hey, we're playing Team X. They're, you know, this is their record. 
this is their defensive staff. It's just kind of a one-page deal. These are the three best players on the team. And it's just a thumbnail sketch. And then we go to, you know, we played them before. Here's what they did to us last year. And this is, you know, same coordinator, same same guys. You know, this is what they did last year. And, and, um, and especially if you run something that's a little bit different, you probably – I would always put what they did to us last year and what – they're doing this year against everybody else side by side because you know a lot of teams won't stunt you as much or a lot of teams will change based on what you do offensively so I think that's important to kind of kind of just keep an eye on because you practice against something all week that they did against a a, a team that's not real similar to you and then against you they do something that's quite a bit different so but look having a catalog of, of what they've done against you in the past and then I think you got to show them. I don't think you can show them every stunt, uh, but you know, here, here's their three most or four most um, used stunts. These are their four most uh, blitzes. Uh, try to put as many pictures as I can, but not overload them with just what it looks like, the alignments. And then any new plays we're going to put in, we have drawn up and explained uh, in that. And so, you know, it can be anywhere from 15 to you know, 25 pages. I think you get over 25. It's way too long. Most kids, you know, we usually try to keep it in some kind of electronic format so they can put it on their phone or their tablet or their computer. You know, I think it's just kind of like this. It's all like 80%. You know, when you try to do chase it all and put everything down, then you get nothing done. And, um, you know, it's like a defense, a good defense coach. Hey, I'm going to take away, the, you know, their five best plays. And I think you know, as an offensive coach, you need to, to be prepared for their base stuff, the stuff they do the most. And then, you know, hopefully your technique and rules are going to take care of that other stuff as you go. Coach, let's transition to the practice field and something I think you get, you do really better than anyone else. I, I learned it from you uh, a long time ago, watching some video tapes done with, with uh, Coach's Choice, and then you had sent me some cut-ups as well. But your, your perimeter blocking and the way you guys practice that – I think is useful not just for a fly team, but you know when I, I coached the stretch play, it was great for us. Toss, sweep, pin, and pull. Anything where you have to block on the perimeter, even something like bubble screens, I think you have an effective method for practicing uh, perimeter blocking. Talk to us a little bit about that. You know, I think uh, if you watch perimeter blocking, saw something on the internet. Uh, Kirby Smart at Georgia said uh, the Oklahoma drill for millennials is perimeter blocking. You know, so basically, you know, you throw a a bubble screen and some receivers block some DBs and and that really has become the Oklahoma drill. It used to be all the big guys inside and you're just kind of powered inside and you don't see that as much anymore. But I think the biggest problem on the perimeter is knowing who to block. Most of the time if you go back and look at your film, you'll see a guy start for one guy and then he jettisons that and goes to another guy. And so we we number the perimeter defenders and we're very specific about who you block. And if, if, if I send you to the wrong guy, you know, who's not forcing, then that's on me. But you know, a lot of times you see a, a, a corner backpedaling, a safety coming up, and a wide receiver is going for the guy that's deepest, and nobody blocks the rotating safety. So I, I think it's real important that we, you know, uh, we, we number all of our perimeter blocking schemes, starting with the outside receiver gets the first digit, and if there's just two receivers, it's a two-digit blocking scheme, and if there's three block, three-digit blocking scheme. And we, um, you know, to me that really has helped. And then the kids can be very definite where they go, and they can be. Um, there is no, 
confusion because really if you look at any perimeter run play whether it's a fly sweep or bubble screen whatever if you get two guys blocking one generally you got problems because mm-hmm. there's not enough numbers anymore and so you know even on screen passes you see the linemen come out they're a little confused about who they got and so these guys aren't you know really great athletes in space anyway and then there's a little bit of confusion and, and so you know they look like they're standing still and everybody's running by them so I think, you know, early on in the season and, and, and all of our, our run game, we keep this numbering system. And so we go out and we practice and we line up a secondary and, and generic formations and then we call out the numbers and they go and get them. In the college level, pretty soon guys can start calling the, the numbers themselves based on what they see. And that's where I think the next level is. But in, in high school, I always called the numbers and was able to generally be correct. And if I was wrong, I could change the numbers. You know, and, and if they did something different, we had a way to block it. And it's not rocket science. You know, I mean, generally the corner's going to force or the safety's going to force. And our goal was always to leave the deepest defender. And if there is no deepest defender, then you probably want to do some kind of play action pass or something over the top because both guys are forced. And so that's that's kind of how we've done it. And, and the other thing I think we do a great job of is, let's just say, we're, any drill we do, we, we try to put in some kind of fly timing. Whether, for example, we just want to work on get-offs on the sled early in the season just to get the offense going and working on caves, but we're still going to put that, that motion guy through. And as, as much of that as we can do, and then, and then really having a, a very designated time in practice and a designated way to block them in practice has been, um, I think, really effective for us. And you're right. It is a very uh, simple type of system. But I think any time you create something, whether it be simple or, you know, I I like to be on the simple side or a little bit more complex, uh, it it gives you, like you said, those adjustments. Your players know right away, hey, you know, Coach, this might be better. It might be better for a a 21 on this play rather than a 12. And they can communicate that with you, and you can make adjustments. And just like you said, too, hey, Coach, there is no nobody deep, or your coaches see that. Now you have the opportunity um, to attack the defense in a certain way. So uh, thank you for sharing that and all your ideas here, Coach. And um, here's the final question for you. Um, as you look at all the things you do in season, what would you point to as the one thing that gives your players the winning edge on game day? I think the winning edge for an offense on game day is keeping it simple for your guys and complex for them. I can't say we've always done that, but – if you're just lining up and trying to go with people with with inferior personnel, you're not going to win. Trying to create as much stress defense on the defense as we can, but making it a system that we practice from August, so the kids know, you know, October that you know, we're playing a team or we're overmatched. But you know, we we've got these tools on how we can change the blocking or how we can change of formation i think the ability to be multiple and keep it simple for your guys is really where offensive football is. coach it's always an honor to have you on the podcast and to talk football with you i really appreciate you taking time here uh, for an in-season podcast uh, best of luck to you and uh, the aggies the rest of the way oh, sorry. thanks keith keep up the great work